Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking with Christiane Arbini about injury, recovery, and what it takes to bounce back to national championship racing after a doctor told her she was done. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. Now, for years, I've been saying you should fire your doctor when they try to rob you of hope. And Christiane is a great example of how you can succeed, even if the conventional medical wisdom is not really on your side. So Christiane qualified for the 2018 uh, USA Olympic Distance National Championship triathlon race. And, you know, that's not really the awesome part. The best part is that she did that after she suffered a serious injury while skiing and was told she might have to hang up racing altogether. Not only is she racing, but she also has a thriving coaching business uh, for athletes, Christiane Racing, as well as a wellness coaching business, which is Dare to be Fit for Life. And through that, Christiane encourages athletes to reach for big goals, inspires them to succeed, and helps you to become the best version of yourself. So, Christiane, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So now before we get started, maybe what you could do is just give us a little additional background on you and your athletic history. And, you know, I know that refusal to quit is one thing in life that you really do value the most. And where did that come from? You know, how does that relate to your early involvement as a kid in sports? (laughs) Well, thanks. So I my background actually comes that I was a soccer kid. Um, I grew up about the age of four and played soccer, was heavily into that sport. And as I got into um, high school, junior high, I branched out into some other sports and tried volleyball, basketball, track, um, some of those things. And the interesting part was actually I was not a super big fan of running. (laughs) So it's very interesting that I've ended up where I am today. But I had gotten through high school and eventually had some really great soccer coaches along the way that started encouraging us in a way that brought out my overall confidence as a you know young teenager and definitely encouraged us to basically be our great our greatest versions and so I can definitely look back and say that I've had some amazing coaches that have influenced my life. I got through high school and I started turning to running as basically an outlet. Um, I unfortunately had a family issue. My mom, a young age, when I was around 16 or so, my mom was in a very terrible um, snowmobile accident and we almost lost her. And through that year of her being in the hospital and watching her go through some of the just all the therapy that she had to do, doctors back then told us she would never walk, she would never talk again that you know we were really going to have to change our lives around who this new person was going to be and my mom had amazing will she surpassed everything doctors had told her and we also had just a we weren't going to believe that answer my dad was very just believed differently and said no we're going to give her the best care and we're going to find the right doctors and we would get second opinions we'd move on to somebody else and they definitely let us know that there are other opportunities and that you can, you know, surpass sometimes what the doctors say. And we were able to get my mom back to a point to where if you met her today, you would never know that she was in such a severe accident. Um, She was in a coma for over seven weeks. 
and she did not talk for basically well over eight months. So she is back and thriving. And my mom is such an amazing example to me that you do not quit. You do not give up. And she's been a huge influence in me just watching that and seeing how she's progressed. That that's something I really hung on to and realized that life is just too short and too precious to not be chasing the goals and the things that you really want to achieve in life. So that's really kind of where that came from. And it's just basically really stuck with me as I've become an adult and moving forward in anything that it is I'm trying to achieve, you know, business or sport related that um, I can really grateful and thankful for, you know, watching my mom push through that. And then also, also having some other amazing doctors that, we could turn to that did give us better advice. Yeah, so that's really important, right? And uh, you know, I've been through a similar thing. I mean, I had a really significant complication after surgery many years ago, and it was horrible. And there was one doctor that actually wasn't going to allow me to go back to college because he said mm. it would frustrate my recovery and that I should just give up on all these goals and everything else. I didn't like that answer. So I actually went and found another doctor who would just sign all my paperwork for me to go back to college. And um, it was unbelievable. And that's the thing is that this is a normal thing is that doctors don't want to disappoint you. And they're sort of afraid that if they give you expectations that you really can hold on to and then you don't achieve them, they think you're going to sue them or something. So they always give you this horribly pessimistic output. I think that's okay when there's no hope, but it's not their job to steal your hope. Right. And they do that. So I know that, you know, you were able to probably take that experience and then apply it to yourself after you've been injured and realize doctors don't know everything. In fact, there's very little that we actually know for sure. There's a lot that we think and we have opinions and spend a lot of time in school and all that. But that doesn't mean we know everything because we don't. So I've always said that you are the most knowledgeable person about your own body. Right. So you well, know true. best. <laughs> it's true. So that's just it. I ask every patient when I see them, I, you know, I say, well, what is it do you think it is? And most of the time they're right. Even if they don't understand the anatomy, they don't understand the process, the physiology, any of that, they're almost always right. So, right. you know, you have to know that, I think, as an athlete in particular, because you have higher stakes when it comes to your care. And sort of getting back to your racing history and what you've learned through all the, you know, injuries and all the experiences you've had, you know, I know that you've raced a lot of different events. I know you're currently qualified for nationals. I think you're currently now trying to qualify for worlds in Ironman 70.3. You've been on the podium a lot of times. So you can't do that without recovering. You cannot succeed as an athlete without a process that really does maximize your physiologic recovery. So what can you tell us about the recovery process and how it facilitates the achievement of all of your athletic goals? Yeah, I truly do believe that recovery is the most critical part of any training plan. And unfortunately, a lot of athletes tend to push that to the side And I'm not sure if it's out of fear that they're not going to achieve their goal by not pressing forward in their training plans. And I see it over and over that a lot of athletes will just keep pushing and pushing to the point of breaking. And unfortunately, they don't make it sometimes to the race that they've been training for because they did not take the time to properly recover. And instead, they've been overworked, overpushed. And I really just think a lot of it is the fact that they just have not put in a proper recovery program. And that was something I learned early on. Thankfully, (laughs) I used to have some horrible back pain back when I first got into running. And I had realized that a lot of it came down to proper core strength. 
that would help alleviate some of that back pain. That's where the problem was. And I also learned that I needed to, you know, at that point, implement some better recovery processes for myself from supplementation, also my nutrition, along with proper um, stretching and foam rolling. And I do a lot of ice bath. And so there's a lot of different tools that you can use in order to get that recovery taken care of. But if you continue just to push on and ignore the recovery process, your body can only deliver so much before it's just too broken down to give you any more. And I always do say that if you want to perform at your greatest level, you are going to really need to put in the proper recovery program, just as important as it is for you to run your training program. Yeah. That makes sense, you know, it, it, but it's one of those things. It's like we see so much stuff about, you know, we hear the stuff about the pain cave and about suffering and, you know, working through the pain and all that stuff is very, it's sort of romanticized and glorified. And I think that's part of why so many athletes really do neglect, you know, the really important parts like nutrition and recovery and rest. And, um, and they don't think of that as training because it's not hard. You know, it's not yes. hard work and it's not suffering. So um, I think it's, you know, it's, I don't know. I just really wonder if, if athletes were able just to sleep an hour more, a half hour more, what it would do for their performance. Oh, it's, it's drastic changes. Um, <laughs> sleep is a big one. Sleep is um, a big and, one. And <laughs> that's an area that I know very well how much it directly affects your performance. And, you know, we can try and say if we want to be that person and, you know, I can manage four hours a night or, you know, six hours or whatever, and I'm fine. I can still go. But really, how much performance are you missing that you don't know you can even tap into because this has just become a norm for you. And, you know, um, sleep issue was something that I really struggled with when I have, <laughs> I have an extremely busy schedule. So sleep was one of the areas that I definitely cut and, um, I heavily paid for it. And I definitely have made some drastic changes to realizing how directly sleep affected my performance. And, you know, now that you have, training programs where you can check, you know, your Watts and your power meter and your heart and all of that, you definitely can actually physically see the physiological effect that that has on your performance. And that alone should have people realizing that, you know, recovery is key. You definitely have to take care of yourself if you want to continue to um, do well and, and just feel well. Yeah, I think that's true, you know, but a lot of athletes also think that they just don't have time for everything. And so, like you said, it sleeps one of the first things to go because it seems one of the least important, you know, and I think a lot of runners just I think most of us actually kind of suffer from this delusion that successful athletes like you don't have to do anything other than train, eat, and sleep because you're an elite athlete, that you have some sort of like free pass through life, you know? And, um, but that's not the case. It's almost never the case. So, you know, when you're, when you're in training, when you're kind of mid-race season like you are, you know, now just kind of really ramping up, what is your schedule like? Why don't you let us know that, that you know, you actually do have to do things other than eat and sleep and read about recovery and, you know, and all that. So what is your schedule like? Yeah, I only wish that could be the case. Yeah. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I didn't get to punch the pro card ticket. So um, that is not how my life is. <laughs> not even close. Um, but yeah, I definitely have an extremely busy schedule um, that you have to learn to balance and juggle um, in whatever way you can. And for me, I was 
um, a full-time dental assistant for 15 years. And I also run my coaching business and um, personal training business part-time for 10. So I actually worked a full-time day job and then went and worked in the evenings for coaching and training. And then, um, dental only ran four days a week. So on my fifth day, I was, I was full-time at the gym. And on top of that, so I was already working 40 plus hours a week and then also having to add in over 25 to 30 hours of training on top of that. So the biggest thing that, you know, people don't understand is, you know, how do you put all that in? How do you actually fit that? Um, and the, and a lot of the times people get training programs that don't fit their lifestyle. That's number one problem. And for me, it's customizing a program that would fit within what my schedule is. So if my schedule is already pretty set in stone, I can't change my work hours, then I have to determine how my training program is going to be adjusted around that. And that's really critical because there's a lot of athletes that get training programs that are, you know, pre-bought, pre-written. They are not customized to them. And these programs have them doing stuff that they can't fit in their lifestyle. There's just no way they can fit that amount of hours or that amount of miles or training. So I think it's really critical to pick things that are appropriate to your current schedule so that you can be successful at whatever event you're trying to train or race for. And for me, it was being able to, you know, put those timelines in. There are times where I have to, you know, get up um, 4 a.m. and go hit the pool. And then I'm also doing an evening workout on top of that. So I do a lot of two-a-days. Um, and that's pretty much how I have to get them in. Now, luckily, I'm not a mother yet. So for for those that are mothers, I understand it is even more complicated because there's a little bit more, you know, you have children you have to take care of and stuff. So um, obviously one day that will happen for me and I'll have to learn that new adjustment. But for now, I get to just work around what my work schedule is. And um, a, a typical training, now that I'm in my mid-race season, now my schedule has drastically changed within this current year. So I actually have technically retired from dental. Um, I did it for 15 years and I finally made the decision at the end of December to go ahead and step away from it and pursue more of my coaching training business full time. And it's just, it's really where my passion is. And I'd rather spend my time there. So financially, we had the opportunity that I could do that. And my schedule now basically is still sometimes two a days. I still sometimes have to squeeze stuff in around coaching and clients and whatnot. But um, it's, it's pretty much still based the same as how busy my schedule was before. So I don't really change my overall mileage to fill in the gap, if that makes sense. I know some people get more time and then they just want to train more. And that's not necessarily what you should be doing. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, you talked about that. You know, it's like also it can be stressful just trying to stuff all of these things in. And, yes. <laughs> you know, so I mean, I, I tell people this all the time, but when people get stress fractures, I'm like, it's not a run too much stress fracture. It's called a stress fracture. You know, yeah. it's all stress matters. And uh, you have to manage that stuff. So, you know, one of the things I often tell athletes is that there is no overtraining. There's only under recovering. And, you know, so what do you do to manage all the stress and really facilitate healing after key works workouts? Like, what's your strategy? So for me, um, critical is your nutrition. That's number one. Um, how you fuel, fuel your body and how you fuel it after workouts is really, really important. 
that way your, you know, muscles and, um, everything can, you know, get the proper carbohydrate protein, um, amounts so that you can get proper recovery. And a lot of it is also sometimes some key supplements. Um, I have a very (laughs) amazing supplement that got added to my life actually back in 2014, Mm -hmm. um, before my second Ironman, full Ironman. And, um, it has been totally critical to recovering much faster. Now it works at the cellular level and, you know, we all have cells and cells break down. And especially as an athlete, you're actually depleting them and breaking them down even faster. So when I got introduced to this, um, it was a game changer for me on a recovery level. So I already have, you know, particular things and strategies I do. So post-workout I get done and I'll have, you know, my proper, um, typically a quick shake that's going to have the right amount of nutrients in it so it can be absorbed quickly. That's Mm -hmm. the first thing I take in. And then I will, um, depending on my amount of mileage or whatever, I do still believe in like ice baths, even though they're terrible. Um, they really just help cool the muscles. Um, I have lots of little other tools. I mean, I've got recovery boots and, um, tins units and, you know, foam rollers. And so I have all those things, but, um, not everyone can afford those. So I say the best thing is ice bath. Everyone can afford that (laughs) and nutrition you can take care of. Um, but if you can put the proper supplementations in place to help you aid in that recovery, and that's really key. And I really refer people to definitely check with their doctors always first. I think it's important for all athletes to have a baseline blood panel to know where you're at and where you might be lacking in certain things. So for me, I had one done and I was lacking in zinc and magnesium, which are critical for recovery. Mm -hmm. So I know what my body needs and I'm able to give it what it needs so I can properly recover instead of guessing. Um, I just don't believe in in guessing. I really, you know, you got to test and find out what's going to help your body. And for me, when I got this, um, you know, recovery supplement, um, some people may or may not have heard of it. It's called ASEA and it is a recovery cellular supplement and it's been just life changing for me. And it has really aided in my overall recovery as an athlete. It helped dramatically through my injuries and surgeries and recovering from those. And, um, it's been on board ever since. And, Um, I have no intention on letting it leave my hands (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it is such a critical tool for me that, um, you know, some people may or may not have heard it a bit. And um, I think it's important for people to, you know, um, reach out and maybe we can help them understand what it is. But um, those are some of the key things that I use. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, I use a C as well, and we should probably do a whole podcast on that at some point, you know. Um, Yeah. But it's true. It's like there's all these little things that can help. You know, anything that you can do to help will make a difference. Like you said, zinc and magnesium is missing. You're at a deficit. If you you don't have enough copper, you can't rebuild tendons and ligaments. You know, if you don't have protein, you can't build any tissue. You know, all, all of these things matter. If you're not hydrated, you can't get any of that stuff in or out. And you know, we all talk about it in terms of these big things, like you need to like just completely shift a hundred percent from one thing to another, but any little shift you can make in any direction can help. And, you know, if you take a supplement that helps with redox, you know, with cell signaling and actually makes your cells function better, that can help. Everything can help. If you use compression boots to push fluid out, if you do ice baths to stop all the inflammation, that can help. Every little thing helps. So, it's every I think as athletes, we always think, well, if I just buy this new power meter, 
everything will be awesome. <laughs> you know, if I can just get this one um, nutritional plan in place, then everything will be awesome. Uh, but it's not that simple. It's like, yeah, all of those things matter. They really do. Right. And, uh, so it's like, I think anywhere anybody can get a little advantage makes a huge difference. Um, well, I think one of the areas that I like to comment on for, for athletes is let's compare ourselves to a car. Do you want to be a Ferrari or do you want to just be, you know, a Kia? So how, how, how you fuel your body is the performance you're going to get out of it. And so it's really, it is just that important to really take care of those key components. But also training programs are stressful enough. Life is stressful enough on top of it. And I do really believe in making small incremental changes Mm -hmm. because it can be a little bit overstressful for people to try and do total overhauls. And I think if you just make those little steps every day, that's going to ultimately, you'll start to slowly see those changes happen. And then it becomes part of your lifestyle. Right. Yeah, there was, um, I was at a conference in, uh, I think it was in February, but this one guy, he had this great thing, which I'd never heard it put this way before, but he basically said that he attributed all of his success in athletics and business and everything, his personal relationships, all of it to this thing he called his power list. And what he hmm. did was he said, basically, I t- he said, I take an index card, I buy, you know, he said, I buy packs of them at a time. He said, I take an index card and I write down five things. And I just think, he said, it doesn't matter what you choose. He said, I pick five really simple things that I immediately come to mind that if I did this thing or did not do this thing, it would improve my life overall. So, you know, he said it could be like brushing your teeth. You know, if you really don't brush your teeth every day, you should probably do that and put it on the list. If you brush your teeth, you probably don't need that on the list. But, hmm. but then he would add something like, you know, drinking Diet Coke. Like, it's not really good for you necessarily, right? It's hard to think right. it's a nutritional product, no matter <laughs> what you think of it. Even though it doesn't have any calories, it can't possibly be good for you in terms of improving your athletic performance. So if you put something like that or do 10 push-ups a day, you know, like really, really simple things. He basically would put down five things, and at the end of the day, he would write either win or lose, like just W or L next to each one. And every day he would do that until he had done any one of them 30 days in a row. Then he takes it off the list and adds something else. Oh, that's cool. So then, of course, like, you know, once you do it for 30 days in a row, it's a habit, you know. So, I mean, I, exactly. I have all these things I do every day that I don't think of. I don't put them down on my to-do list anymore. And uh, those little changes matter. So if you have all those in place and then you get a significant overtraining injury, it's a lot easier to stay on track. If you have a really significant injury, like a trauma or something, then that's really just a more exaggerated version of an overtraining injury. So I know that you went through, well, you've had some injuries, right? We all have injuries, but you had one that was pretty significant. Can you tell us about that? This is the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's a virtual doctor visit? The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. What you'll get from Dr. Segler in my experience is expert runner and medical care that's individualized for your needs. I left with actionable steps to recover from my injury. Dr. Segler is different and I felt heard, didn't feel patronized, and I felt like he prioritized getting me back to running as soon as possible as much as I did. I just couldn't see sitting around for six weeks knowing my hard-earned fitness would vanish. I know Dr. Segler is an expert and I wanted to see him in person. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You know, I have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's going to be on time. 
Two, he's gonna be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are gonna result in more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. Welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. I know that you went through, well, you've had some injuries, right? We all have injuries, but you had one that was pretty significant. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Yeah. So I had, um, in 2015, I actually suffered a severe, um, ski accident where I ruptured my ACL of my left knee. And, um, I had had a amazing season the year before 2014. Um, it was my second, second Ironman that I did. And I shaved four hours off my time. I podiumed the rest of the season. So I had an amazing year and was really set up for 2015 to be, you know, year number two. And, um, I decided to go up. I'm, I'm also a snow bunny. So I love getting out and ended up having the ski accident where it ruptured my knee. And basically my season ended before it started. And when we went in to do the exam and check everything, I also had an additional nagging injury that they decided to look at because I was already there and getting everything done. And it, it was determined that I also had a tear in my right hip in the labrum. Oh wow! So I ended up being told I was going to need two surgeries in 2015 and that my race season, I mean, everything was over that, you know, it's very difficult to come back from basically, you know, two major injuries like this. It wasn't saying that like, oh, you'll never walk again or anything, but it was just like the performance level that you are used to and what you think you're going to be able to do, you know, basically be, be prepared that you may not be able to come back to the level that, um, you are at because these are such severe injuries and can take such a long time to heal. And, you know, we don't really know how they're going to end up. So I ended up going through surgery. Um, I did have a very phenomenal surgeon that I researched heavily. I've never had any major injuries in my life. I've never had any surgeries and it's amazing that I had to have two in the same year. So Mm -hmm. that was very difficult for me to kind of digest and go, okay, this is really happening. Like this, everything just came to a halt. And that, um, was something that was mentally something that I had to work through to eventually obviously get back to where I am now. But I was a little bit disappointed in not feeling extremely encouraged by, um, how the, how the overall result would happen. Not like, you know, oh, you definitely can get back. And I understand they maybe can't say that because it may really crush me if I wasn't able to get back to where I am. But um, I luckily did have other key supporters around me that were helping. But my overall injury was pretty traumatic to me. And um, I'm just grateful that it's all over and behind me now. (laughs) Well, you know, it's an interesting thing. So you just said that, you, you know, that sometimes doctors probably are not telling you or they're not encouraging you to go for like complete recovery, to go for full success because it might crush you if you don't achieve it. Right. And I think yeah. that's true. But here's the thing. 
do you know a single person that qualified for the Ironman triathlon, like, you know, world championships, qualified for Kona? Do you know one who qualified with people around them, their closest people, their closest supporters, their coaches saying, you know, you probably can't do that. And you just shouldn't get your hopes up, you know, because if you don't get in, you're going to be so disappointed. No. Like, no. <laughs> right. So when I was, you know, trying to qualify for Hawaii, I quit talking to those people. Yeah. I had to quit talking to those people. I could not afford to have their negativity deciding my future. And, you know, and so I think it's so fascinating that we tolerate that in medicine, but we would never in a million years hire a coach, a nutrition. Like if your nutritionist said, you know, it's too, you know, you're just going to be fat. This is just your physiologic set point. You're just a fat person. Just deal with it. Just, you just don't forget about running, forget about athletics. You would fire them. It makes no sense. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. so, you know, you really have to do, you know, you have to develop some kind of mental shift when that happens, you know, because, um, you know, it's really debilitating. You're physically, you're injured, you hurt, you're not feeling good. And then these well-meaning doctors are trying to not get our hopes up and they, they basically do damage to us and to our aspirations. And, and when they tell us that, you know, our days of competing are over. So, I mean, what was that like for you emotionally? Like when the doctors kind of take the wind out of your sails and tell you just to give up these, these ideas of high level competition and just see how it goes. I mean, what did you do? Like, how did you work through that? Well, for me, um, <laughs> luckily, like I said, my past history of what I visually have seen from my mother's standpoint and what mm -hmm. she went through and dealing with doctors, I feel like I kind of already had a hands, you know, a level up above that because I got to witness what that was like and being told those things. And here I am now physically in that position myself and going through these, you know, injuries that I have to have these major surgeries and knowing I'm going to, I was uh, knowing I was out for the whole year. I mean, my, my two surgeries were going to require me to cut my athletics for basically the whole year. And I just didn't really agree with that. Um, I'm also semi-stubborn and I just really feel that, you know, you can do whatever your body will allow you to do. And so I think that comes in the form of testing it a little bit, obviously within reason. So I would, um, for me, it was being able to know my body and say, okay, I know I can attempt these little things and kind of see how it goes. It was also really critical and important to have some major key support system people around me. Like you said, you know, those positive people and the negative people, it was like, get away. If, if you were going to be a negative doctor, I wasn't going to see you. I was going to move on to another one. You know, I had fired a therapist and moved on to a dis different physical therapist mm -hmm. um, because I didn't appreciate the way that I was being treated. And it was like, I want to be progressive about this. So I'm going to find the people that are going to allow me to do that and are going to help me achieve that. And so putting those key people around you is really critical for your overall success, whether that's doctors, support system. You know, um, I had many other athletes around me that maybe had gone through some injuries that could also, you know, speak to me on how they were able to do it. And that was really critical. And I think that's where people might go wrong is when you get injured, you kind of want to seclude yourself a little bit. And I just definitely say, don't reach out to someone that maybe can, you know, push that positiveness into you. And that will help you with the mental side of things. The physical is already there. You're going to have to go through that. But um, the mental is a little bit other beast that you have to deal with, with your overall recovery. Yeah. 
that's tough, you know. And once you get through all of that stuff, like you, you know, you have to like figure out what's real, what's not real, what's good advice, what's bad advice, and then you have to actually heal and recover. And then what really throws runners off that people do not really talk about very much is like the the whole transition because you know, I think as soon as you do anything and start recovering, you have to start that transition. You you don't want to wait, you know, if they say, "Well, it's going to take 6 weeks for this thing to heal, so just go home and, you know, rent a bunch of movies and uh you know, let it heal and then we'll see you in six weeks and talk about activity. Well, you can't do that if you're an athlete. You have to, like you said, you have to start experimenting. You have to see what you can get away with that's going to keep you strong, that's not going to screw up your healing process. Oh, yeah. And the doctors don't give you that information, you know, and then they tell you these vague things like, well, just let pain be your guide as you get back to activity. Like, well, what does that mean? I mean, for me, you know, I'm an athlete. It's not hurting. It's not helping. You know, it's kind of the way I see it. So I don't I don't understand. And, you know, you have to do so much in this progression of your training throughout your season. And I think you have to do the same thing as you're recovering, even while you're still wearing a brace or a cast or a fracture walking boot or whatever. You know, you have to do stuff to strengthen everything else in your body that's going to support that one injured structure so that when you do return to running and you do return to full training, you're going to be able to better protect that injured, still healing part. So you know, what is it that you did um, after that injury and you were kind of healed and, you know, you're like, you're kind of getting this sort of, not really clearance, but you're kind of getting the sort of yellow flag, I guess, to start activity <laughs> from your doctor and you're getting ready to like ramp back up. What was the most helpful thing to get you ready for that return to full training? Well, kind of a funny story. Um, I don't typically wait for that a uh, yellow flag. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I tend to test the waters. I was, I, I did tell the doctor, you need to tell me what is an absolute no, like right. per timeline. No, absolutely not. That's what I need to know. Other than that, I'll figure out the gray area myself, but a funny story. So I didn't even last the full first week. So when I went through my knee surgery, they told me I had to be down for two weeks. I mean, two weeks for me, it was detrimental. I don't even sit on, I can't even sit hardly at all in a day. So um, to know that I was going to have to be couch bound for two weeks was, that was the scariest part of the whole thing. And who was going to have to put up with me for, through that mm-hmm. time? So, um, but what's funny is I think I only lasted probably a couple of days, mostly because of the heavy medications they put you on. And I didn't like them, but I just had to do a few days and then I weaned myself off them very quickly because I did not like them. And, um, so it was pretty funny cause I'm, I'm, I'm literally thinking it probably had to have been about three days max. And, um, my husband ended up coming home and <laughs> he came home to me in a full locked knee brace from hip all the way to foot. And, I have my own set of some fitness equipment at home and he came home to me doing like an exercise routine Mm -hmm. and he was like, are you supposed to be doing that? And I'm like, my upper body's not broke. What's wrong? Like it's not affecting my leg. That has nothing to do with it. So, (laughs) and then I even was able to figure out how to do some core work, like supporting my one leg and doing some core work and holding it, you know, with the other leg that was totally fine and not the surgical leg. And, um, you know, I just, he thought he's used to it now that I'm just a little out there, but I said, you know, it's really critical that these muscles stay activated because that's really what's going to get me back faster so that I don't fully atrophy. I mean, 
I'm already going to deal with the fact that my leg is going to atrophy. The muscle is going to atrophy on its own because I just can't, I can't put it through the amount of work that it normally has done. And there's going to be some natural atrophy. But if I do a lot of the work now around my whole other body, my support is going to be a lot stronger when it comes back to me trying to get that leg working again and strong. So you don't want to have two weak sides. So if you can keep you know, your, your overall strength at a decent level through the injury, you're going to come out much stronger on the other end. And that was really key for me to come back faster and heal quicker. And I was stronger coming out of my injury because I made strength training such a critical role of my healing process. And I think a lot of athletes, unfortunately, do not, um, put that key component in their training programs. There's so many endurance athletes that have no strength training in their program anywhere. And that is really critical for you to avoid injury, become stronger and perform better, you know, faster as an athlete is to have a proper strength training program in. That's exactly right. And it's true. It's well, part of it, I think comes back to that whole thing we talked about earlier with you know, somebody's like, if they're really, if they sort of view themselves as an Ironman triathlete, well, they're already doing so much volume already, you know, and I've done it. I mean, it's very difficult. You know, it's like I had a, a set routine where like every week I was doing a 56 mile ride, a 70 mile ride and a hundred mile ride, you know, and then all of the running and swimming on top of that. And so, yep. I mean, there's no way, you know, and I would, I would literally like, at the time, I remember this one year where I was, I would walk my son to school and he was in kindergarten and I decided I was going to walk him to and from school on these certain days. And I would walk home, put on my cycling stuff, get on my bike and take off and ride a hundred miles and get back just in time to like walk down to the school and get him again. And you know, the day's over when your kindergartner gets out of school. Um, yeah. so, but it's, you know, they get habituated to, they feel like they don't need it because you're going fast, you're doing these races, you feel strong, but you could have so much benefit from that, you know, additional core strength and stuff. And I think it's important to do that. Not only can it, it supplement all of your racing in the future if you do that, but you have to support that part. Like you said, you don't want to have two weak sides. And I also think it's crucial for all the people listening right now to understand that you don't have to wait for the green light from your doctor. They're never going to give you one anyway. They're never going to tell you you're going to be a hundred percent. So, you know, um, much of it has to do with the way that we're trained in the medical system in the United States, but that just isn't something they're going to do. They're, you know, it's going to be a year later. They, this is stuff you'll get all the time. Oh, you know, just plan on taking this year off. Just plan on one year from now before you really get back to training. And it's not true. So you have to experiment. I was just on a call with an athlete earlier today and I was, you know, she basically had a really significant injury. She's got a really serious fracture and she was um, experimenting and had another issue come up where she got a muscle strain. It's completely unrelated, you know, but the normal doctors would say, oh, see there, I told you, you know, like, you know, waving their finger at her, like scolding her, telling her that that was a dumb thing to do. I think it's the right thing to do. I think you have to experiment. You have to figure out what you can do to get as strong as possible. Obviously, you want to try to avoid an additional injury. But it's a minor thing that's going to heal really quickly. And it didn't aggravate the really serious thing that's going to really prevent her from getting back to running. So you have to do everything you can to get stronger. And then, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you, though, is that after you've had this kind of injury and you 
and then you actually do get back to running. You know, you've obviously been really creative about doing these strength routines and staying fit and making sure that you're ready to support that injured um, lower extremity. What did it feel like when you started running? I mean, did it feel weird? Did you feel like, oh my gosh, what happened to me? Or because, you know, I think a lot of people get thrown off when they start running and they feel like they're, you know, they're running 10 or 11 minute miles or something. And they're just like, oh my gosh, I'm done. You know, what did I do to myself? How did that feel like to you? <laughs> yeah, that, um, again, massive mind game. Um, that is the that's the toughest part of coming back. I think physical is just physical and all of us can work through that. Um, but the mindset that you have to shift when you come back to running is very critical to, um, just your overall success and, and how you're going to improve. So for example, you know, heading out on a, a first run, um, you mentally expect yourself to be where you left off. There's that little expectation that you think you're going to be able to, um, or hope that you're going to be able to just bust back out those mileage right where you were at. And you're, and even in your head, you're like, okay, but I'm only going to go one mile or, you know, I'm going to test it out. But your hope is that you're going to kind of pick up where you left off and you need to be settled with the fact that that is not going to happen. And the biggest thing is just acceptance and accepting where you currently are and let that be the new building foundation. Um, you know, that long-term goal of where you were is something you can still have out there because that's your goal, right? I'm going to still get back to, you know, my eight minute mile pace, but right now I'm starting out at 1124s or something, you know, just to get going. And it can be really hard on your overall mentality. It really beats you down. And it, it's something where you kind of feel like exactly that. Oh my gosh. I'm never going to get back there again. This is just so much work. How am I going to do that? And then it's that I put so much work in to get where I was. How am I ever going to get there again? This is going to be years before I get there. And that's not true. The body does bounce back fairly quickly, but it is important to allow it to take the time to slowly build back to that level. The biggest area people make mistakes is, you know, it's again, you're battling that mind and you want to, hurry up and get right back to that pace you were. And that's where you're actually going to do more damage and hurt yourself before you can even get there. So patience is really critical, which is really hard for a lot of athletes, um, is to be patient in that process and take it in little bite-sized pieces. And eventually you'll be surprised how quickly it does actually turn around and it will be less than a year. Um, running for me, it was amazing how quickly once I got going, um, I was able to get back to some of the level that I was at, obviously, um, mechanically, you still have to do a lot of this proper strength training to get those muscles to fire correctly. So I was dealing with a lot of like hip flexor issues because my hip flexors were overworking because of other muscles that weren't working. And so that's where the strength training became really critical to get me back to my actual run pace mm -hmm. is fixing all those little imbalances. All those little, little muscles matter. And if you can really put your focus on that over trying to quickly get back to the mileage you were at, you're going to, you're going to find that it's going to be much, much more beneficial for you at, to perform and be faster if you really can take the time to do that. And that's where I think a lot of athletes are just, we just don't have the patience for it. We want to be running again. And 
that's where you got to stay pulled back and, you know, think of the overall picture when you do get back there and take the time now to properly fix yourself. So you don't also have long-term nagging injuries or imbalances because you didn't take the time now to fix them. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, that sounds really great. I was going to ask, you know, what your one piece of advice is to really help injured runners on their journey, but that sounds like a pretty um, stellar piece of advice right there. I mean, that's really yeah. it. It's like you've got it. You know, you have to have patience. And it's so fascinating because as a coach, I can't imagine any athlete comes to you in January and says, okay, it's January 1st. By January 30th, I want to feel and uh, have the same kind of fitness that I normally have in July. <laughs> well, it doesn't work that way. And, you know, I, there, that, but, I do get crazy requests sometimes. Um, and some are very similar, but yeah, I, you, you definitely, <laughs> you have to talk some sense into people sometimes. Yeah. But everybody, everybody's confident that after an off season, they can get back to racing condition. And I think that when people get injured, they have this idea that they're never going to be the same again. And it's not true. You just have to think of it as sort of like, a kind of bigger off season than you plan for. Yes. And it's just going to take a little bit longer to get out of that off season back to training and back to race fitness, but you can do it. You just have to be thoughtful. Yes. Well, and a lot of people don't know in my journey that, um, you know, 2015, I, so I had two surgeries in 2015. I came back in 2000 and 2000 and, uh, let's see, 16, I came back and I podiumed at my races. So all the time, so the whole year I took off was worth it <laughs> for me to get myself back to the race level I needed to be. And that just proved to me that I could do it. Now, unfortunately, I still had a little bit of an issue with the hip surgery that they did. And I actually ended up having a second hip surgery at the end of 2016. So I got to do recovery a third time wow. and come back in 2017 and that's and then I came back and dominated the podium again so I I just knew that I knew the mentality I knew what I needed to do um, but that's where you know anyone that's going to have those injuries find those key component people that you can put in place find the proper docs the proper therapists um, you know spend a lot of time another key spot that people didn't really highlight is nutritionally Make sure that you're giving your body the nutrients. When you're injured, it's pulling so much more macronutrients for you to try and heal that that's really a critical time for you to be eating really, really well. And a lot of people sometimes, I don't know what it is, if it's, you know, we, we're depressed or whatnot, that sometimes we don't make the proper food choices. And that's when it's the most critical. So um, those are some of those things. And obviously, key supplements, um, you know, the one I heavily promoted was ASEA because that one has been really critical for me. But um, putting those key things in place is really going to get you to, you know, the overall level that you're trying to become as an athlete. Yeah, that is such great advice. So we'll put all those links um, to, you know, your uh, website where people can find you. Um, all of those things, we'll put them in the show notes. And uh, so people can go there and get those resources and just click over to them. But, you know, what is the best way for people to get a hold of you? So if somebody is trying to figure out how they can, you know, really maximize their capacity and they want to coach in some way, if they want to talk to you, how can they get a hold of you? Where can they follow you? 
Well, I'm really active um, on I'm really active on Instagram and Facebook. Um, mainly super active right now under my Christian Racing site. Um, I also do run my Dare to Be Fit for Life, and that has a lot more of my actual coaching programs on it. So I have email links there. So if you go to the website, you can also click on the email link and email me um, at dare to be fit for life at gmail.com. And also you can email me at Christiane racing at gmail.com. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very much all over social links. So if you can find me on any of them, uh, shoot me a message and I'm happy to contact people and help them out. All right. That sounds great. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. It's really been great having you. And I know that you've really got a lot of um, useful information that you've shared for all of our listeners today. And I really appreciate you coming to do it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciated being here. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me and then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.